0: Hey podcast, what's up? So look, one thing on my mind recently has been looking at the vulnerabilities, the holes in FitPro's business plans that really keeps them stuck and stops them going to the next level. So maybe you've been in the position where you start getting some momentum and you start getting clients in for the first time or revenue starts building and you start getting close to that that nice, comfortable five to 10K a month income. Uh, and then maybe something stalls. Or maybe you're hit momentum at a bigger level. Maybe you've got one or two facilities open, doing well, things are growing, and then suddenly you hit a plateau which stops you going from three, four, five locations. So this is for you wherever you are in your journey, whether you're not making six figures yet or whether you're making nine figures a year, there, is, there are gonna be times where you hit a plateau. And this happens in all walks of life. I mean, we help our fitness clients to get through plateaus in their uh, weight loss or their athletic performance goals, right? And it's the same thing for your business. And there are many reasons why we hit a plateau. But I just want to touch on one of those that's been on my mind this morning, that from, from working with so many fit pros, gym owners at all levels, uh, I was, I you know, just today, I, I had a phone call this morning with... Uh, a fit fit pro who is just trying to get up to his first 50 clients in his boot camp, And the goal for him is we're working on getting 50 to 100 clients, 50 clients first, and then another 100 clients over the next two years, because that's going to allow him to get to the next phase of raising the capital and the profits to open his his own facility. Uh, That's one example I'm talking to. And then from there, I go straight into a meeting, with another gym uh, that's a lot, that's a more larger scale commercial gym with over a thousand members. And we're working on strategies to help them widen their profit margins because they're, make, they're making um, high six figures, uh, uh, but, but not yet profitable. And so, so there's such a vast contrast in the fit pros I work with, but the overall reasons for getting stuck is always the same. And one of those big reasons I wanna talk about today is that one of the big, the biggest flaws or, or things that keep us stuck and, and halt our momentum is we get too attached to what previously worked or we get too religious to what's working and we start marrying, which is like getting over committed, over attaching ourselves, to what's working now or even to what has worked up until now and then the issue is when we get locked onto something that works because here's what happens we we're struggling in the beginning in the beginning of this none of us know what the heck is going on none of us know how to grow a business we don't know how to get clients we're just trainers we know we're good at helping people and then this marketing business finance stuff is all brand new. and I know that feeling where we're just lost in the beginning. We don't even know what we don't know. And then suddenly you latch onto something through trial and error, through mentorship, whatever it is, suddenly you latch onto something. For me, the biggest thing I got attached to that nearly that nearly cost me everything was Facebook ads, right? Like most, like most fit pros, I started doing Facebook ads uh, that really started turning things around for me. I, I began running Facebook ads about seven or eight years ago when it was quite new. And before that point, I'd been doing organic marketing, really hustling every day, talking to people outside. And we still do all that stuff. But there was a time where I realized I was getting a little too reliant on the Facebook ads because leads were coming in easily, they were coming in cheap. And basically then I was just focused on Facebook ads, Facebook ads, Facebook ads. Now the problem with that is, that if you become over-committed or over-reliant on one source of growth or one source of benefit to your company, then you are severely, you're, you're on the offense so much that there's no defense there, there's no backup, there's no insurance policy. And the thing is, here's the thing about business, You you, you may have learned already, or you will learn at some point, is that the things that give us Fast tactical wins usually bring about long-term risk or downside. What I mean by that is if something works so fast and effective like Facebook ads, which literally you you can put a Facebook ad together, build a quick funnel like we teach our mentorship students, you can get an ad working and then within three, four hours, you've got fast leads coming in at a really good rate. That's that's what we call a fast uh, tactical win, and you can do that. However, with that is usually a cost that you become over-reliant on it. It has no long-term substance or a long-term benefit, and sometimes puts you in an even bad position. Kind of like, I look at Facebook ads and things like this as kind of like steroids for your business. In of themselves, steroids or any performance enhancement drugs are not... "Quote a bad thing, but they need to be used with caution, uh, used sensibly, used with accountability, uh, and obviously not used to harm anybody else." So, I see I see things like Facebook ads and quick wins as almost like steroids for that. They and they do come with long term costs if you become reliant on them or you abuse them. In the in the case of Facebook, the biggest downside of it, the cost, let's say, of having such quick wins with it is that it's not your platform. You're paying, you know, it's it's your, it's out, the, the, the rules and regulations of Facebook are out of your control. They, the also the more time goes on, the prices will increase. So if you're reliant on Facebook, for example, then, and, and then like I was, and I was paying 20 cent leads when we began years ago, now we pay closer to three to four pounds a lead, which is still low but comparatively, it's way more expensive. Uh, And the risk is in another three, four years, we could be paying 10 to 20 pounds a lead. The problem then is if we're relying on Facebook to bring all the leads that we need each month to achieve our growth targets, but now the advertising cost is, is double or triple, then the fact is we either have to manage to double or triple our ads budget and double our costs, or we have to accept uh, you know, much, much lower returns for the same ad spend. So long-term, it's just not viable since the price is going up. Facebook can bring in more regulations. They can say, you know what? We don't wanna run this advert anymore. They can flat out ban your account. And then tomorrow, you can have no Facebook ad account. And again, if all your growth is reliant on that advert working, you're gonna be in a very tough situation. So this is just one example. This is not a podcast about Facebook ads, I've done plenty of those. This is just to show one example of when a really cool, shiny object comes along, something that does give us good results, we wanna use it, but not become a slave to it. And when you become married to it, or you become religious about that one thing, you then expose your downside and you become vulnerable. Dan Kennedy, I think, was the guy that said, that number one is the worst number in business. You don't want one of anything. You don't want one super powerful uh, advertising source. Because, like I said, what if it goes down tomorrow? You don't want just one good employee because what if they can't work tomorrow? Uh, You know, you don't want one of anything. So as soon as you get one good thing going, your next job should be to say, let's not get religious on that one thing, which is a form of scarcity and fear, but how could we duplicate that process and have two or three, let's say prongs in the water, that could give us similar results, similar if not as effective, but similar results. So I would always go by this 80-20 rule in business where 80% of your of your focus, your time, your resources, your budget can be invested into that one thing, which is absolutely dominating really well. And then 20, but always keep 20% of your resources and your focus to be looking at the next thing, to be saying, how can we replicate this benefit across to another platform or another resource? So we're not a slave to this one thing. So I've given you an example of Facebook or an advertising platform, but this could go for many things in your business. For example, it could even be down to a service. Like for some of you, for many of you, I guess having large group training is your bread and butter. It's the one thing that pulls in the majority of your cash. But maybe there's an opportunity to have small group training in conjunction. So what we like to do in our businesses is look at generating around 70 to 80% of our revenue goal from our large group boot camps That's our main product. It's our core focus. It's the the main thing we get known for. However, we also do have about 20 to 30% of our revenue from small group training and other upsells, merchandise, supplements, et cetera. And it's generally about about 70, 20, 10. So we look for about 70% of our revenue goal to come from boot camps, about 20% extra income to come from small groups and then about 10% of the of the revenue to come from additional merchandise, which is clothing, supplements, uh, think, you know, things like that meal prep, maybe things like that. So that's because while you know, people say some people say just do one thing, just do large groups and nothing else. There's an argument to be made for that, I guess it when it comes to revenue generating And just, if if your goal is to just make as much money as as much as possible, then yeah, focusing on one thing only allows you to do that. However, that's what what we call, you know, sales is what we call offense. If you just want to make as much sales as possible, cool. But cash uh, and and diversity is your defense in business. So if for any reason, you know, you, you, you don't want to become just a slave from those large groups if there's a way of diversifying and attracting a, a new audience, as long as your focus remains in that 80-20 goal. I don't believe in having a 50-50 focus split because nothing is equal in business. It should be late 80, don't, so don't try and say for example, we are gonna have 50% from large group training and another 50% of our revenue from small group training because that means you're building both equally and that means essentially you're trying to run two businesses if they both take that much focus, then you're chasing two rabbits and neither one is going to work. But if you say, you know, 80% of our focus is on boot camps and only 20% is on the, the personal training, then you don't put as much time or effort or resources into the, pers- into the personal training. It actually just comes as an after effect. And so how we do this is we're always advertising our large groups However, we don't do any front-end marketing for our semi-privates. We only sell it through upsells from our client base already coming in or clients coming in for our large groups, they get an opportunity to then try out our semi-private and they might upsell and do both or they might just do the semi-private, which also benefits us because now we have more spaces free for our large group, which is our main revenue driver. Or we might only do a promotion for our semi-private training to our existing email list. Now, we already paid for that email list. We paid time or we paid money for it. And so there's no, no additional cost just to email them out. So we're, not, we're still putting the most of our advertising spend and our marketing all into our bootcamp program, but we are able at very low cost and, and easy convenience to, to trickle some semi-private sales on the back end. That's what we mean by 80-20. We don't don't give more than 20% of our space or time slots to semi-private because if we give more than that, we're coming away from our 80-20 business model. So that's what we mean. Try and keep that 80-20 split if you can. Uh, And that's what we find is the best balance. You might not make as much cash ASAP, but in the long run, that diversity really helps you to monetize your assets, such as your space that might not otherwise be used, your unconverted leads that might not otherwise convert. You're gonna have some leads come in that just don't wanna do boot camps, but if you offer them semi-private, that might be more what they're looking for and willing to pay double the money. So that 20% is very effective. Some other areas, look, look at all the areas of your business. Look at marketing, look at sales, look at your service delivery, look at your team leadership and look at all the areas where you might've become too vulnerable because you're, you're attached too much to one way of doing things. So if you're, if you're really attached to doing Facebook ads right now and there's nothing else going on, I implore you to just take 20% of your budget or if you can afford it, allocate an extra 20% to your ads budget to test out a new paid ads platform. Start running some Google ads on £10 a day. Start running some Instagram story ads. Start running some YouTube ads, maybe some print ads in your local town. And no, I know that these these platforms likely won't get the same result as Facebook, but just look at it as your insurance policy. Have the humility in your business to say, look, we're killing it on Facebook ads Uh, But if we put just 80% of our budget on that and we use 20% of our ads budget just to test out the next thing or or, or an additional thing so that if the worst happened on Facebook and we can't promote or the costs go up or our account is disabled, we could switch over to the other platform, platform B that we have going on. And at least we still have a flow of leads coming in. So in your paid advertising, could you put twenty percent of your budget to a new platform to be testing out and figuring out, uh, whilst not relying on maximize Facebook, but don't rely on it. Look at this in your in your team leadership. Are you relying too much on one employee? Are you relying too much on one group of clients? You know, uh, are you are you really happy? Uh, another big drawback is is team members. Because most fit pros are not building a pipeline of new trainers or talent, they're just complacent and attached to the talent and the staff that they have. So, if you have two trainers right now helping you out, and you know they're per- you know they're great, you know the clients love them. Are you taking that for granted by not actually putting twenty percent of your time into developing new talent into giving work experience to new fit pros so in our gyms every single day we are advertising for new for trainers to give us their resume and and uh, submit for a trial with us even though we're not recruiting necessarily same in your same with your clients if, if even if you are fully booked with clients in your boot camp you should still be running some advertising to get people to sign up as a prospect, even if it's onto your waiting list. You shouldn't just stop advertising because you're full with clients, because you still wanna get more clients to sign up for your new facility that you might open, right? Or have a waiting list so that when inevitably some of your clients do drop off, if 10 of your clients drop off next month, suddenly you can go to that waiting list and say, hey guys, 10 spots just opened up, bam, and you fill them again. Trainers generally know that's the best practice to, to minimize damage when clients leave unexpectedly. But what do you do if a trainer leaves unexpectedly? It's the same principle. So trainers say, what do I do when, when, if I'm, I'm relying on these two trainers and one of them just left or broke their leg or quit or whatever? Or the worst thing, they, they quit and they stole half my clients to comp- compete against me. Now you've got to replace the trainer and a bunch of clients. Well, how do you replace clients? You go to your pipeline, you go to your building prospect list. How do you replace a trainer? Well, you should be doing the same thing. And I say to the fit pros, where's your list of trainers you're building up? Oh, I don't have one. So you're making the same mistake in that position. If you're only advertising for a trainer after you need one, you're exposing yourself way too much. You need to be advertising for trainers before you need them. You should be advertising for clients before you need to make the sale. So that's another big vulnerability is over-relying on the staff that you have. We, I would put an advert out every day, even if you just spend a few pounds on Facebook, connect up with local colleges, connect up with local uh, fitness certification providers, and uh, you can put, uh, you can put, uh, you can go on um like indeed.com and things like that, anywhere where jobs are being recruited, local newspapers, wherever you, there's loads of places to advertise for fitness talent and just have people, let them know there's not necessarily a job right now, but if you drop in your resume, you can be holding a couple of interviews, you know, spend a bit of your time doing interviews every week. We allow people, if we like their resume and we think they've got potential for the future, we give them a, a couple of, we ask them to do a couple of work experience sessions. So we invite them to do two or three sessions for free to, to shadow our actual staff. We just see what they're like, what they're like to work with, what the clients think of them. And, and not only does that then give us the opportunity to know that the people most likely to be good if we need to reach out to them. Or maybe just our actual trainers, we need holiday cover because our actual trainers go on holiday or they don't leave, but something happens to them. They've got to take emergency time off so they get sick. Whatever it might be, we might just need cover hours. And so if we've got a pipeline of then 10, 11, 15, 20 other trainers that we've already seen in person, we like what they do, we can then go to those guys and say, hey, you know, we might have some cover hours coming up it's nothing permanent yet but our head coach is going on holiday next month and would you want to come in and get paid just for that week with us and of course uh the good the good side is you know if, if you, you get a chance to demonstrate what you can do with us maybe even lead a couple of sessions and if it all goes well we're gonna put you top of the pile to get a job with us when we hire next which could be in two three months or whatever so That's what we're doing all the time and we're never over-relying on the staff we have. The other cool thing about this method is that our staff, it keeps them on their toes because they don't get complacent either. They know we're always looking for new talent. They know we're always developing new talent and they know that they, as valuable as they are to us, they know that we love them but they also know they're replaceable. They also know that they're on their toes because we're looking at grooming new talent all the time. So they're less likely to get entitled with us, they're less likely to try and hold us to ransom. Which, if your staff know that you're over-relying on them, they'll 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 pick that up, they'll sense it, and you know, if everyone knows if, if you're over-reliant on them, if you know they have leverage on the company then they know they're worth more to you and then those employees can act can demand more money and if you then don't give it to them then it's no wonder if they decide to go off on their own because they know you're not truly appreciating them and so your best bet in business is to not get to that place where you're over reliant on them it's your responsibility as the business owner to create multiple pipelines spend 20% of your time looking at new staff to come in. And then of course you avoid that entitlement because they know, they know they're know they valuable to the company and they're getting paid what they're worth, but the company doesn't depend on them. And that's what stops them getting entitled and holding you to ransom. So you see guys, this principle goes for your, your advertising. It goes for your, it goes for the services that you offer. Are you over-reliant on one service? Are you over-reliant on one ads platform? Organic marketing, are you over-reliant on one social media platform? Are you just using Facebook? When you've got YouTube, you've got Instagram, you can even use LinkedIn maybe, even TikTok if you want to, right? There's so many other platforms that yes, they may not be as effective as Facebook, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't ignore them completely because over time, Facebook, what's working now will lose its effectiveness, I promise you. And the next big thing is going to come along because these things always shift. So it's the same way, like, so 10 years ago, all the tra- the personal trainers I saw around me were over-reliant on one-to-one training. And I knew from uh, studying and learning from mentors in the USA that group training, semi-private and boot camps were going to grow in popularity, particularly since we just came through a recession and the consumer was looking for more cost-effective ways to get in shape. And in the UK, ten, more than 10 years ago, this was before I, I left, so this was maybe 12 years ago, I was like the only one running semi-private sessions. In, in the gym I worked at, they only did one-to-one sessions and so I, I I said, let's do semi-private because this could be a good backup source. And, and everyone, my boss in the gym, everyone was against me and said, no, 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 we do one-to-one. That's how it is. That's what people are buying. And I tried to say, yeah, it's what they're buying now. It's what they have bought. But with the economic climates changing, if we launch this model of semi-private, it gives them more options It'll attract, it'll, it'll help more people become personal training consumers. It'll open up our market, open up our revenue. It's a win, 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 but no, they, they didn't want to do it. So the PTs I spoke to just stuck religiously to one-on-one training. I went into semi-private on my own. I became fully booked and started making five times more money than to one-to-one trainers and even worse for them. There a lot of their one-on-one clients started working with me. So so this is the thing about going against the grain. You've got to make money in your business now, but you also have to plan ahead and think of how are we are going to get this result in, a, in six months or a year from now when things inevitably evolve. Things are always evolving in business. You're evolving or you're dying. So it doesn't, it won't make sense right now. It's the same in even your fitness programming. I mean, I've got a background in strength and conditioning. These 12 years ago, I came from a strength and conditioning with athlete's background. And so I was giving the women clients, I was, I was giving strength and conditioning type workouts to the general population. Not the same intensity, obviously, but the same programming principles. So 12 years ago, think about this. Picture this in a gym 12 years ago, my female clients were coming in and I was giving them barbell glute raises. Okay, so today, everyone does that, right? Because all the influencers and magazines have talked about it. But 12 years ago, my clients thought I was fucking crazy. They're like, you want me to do what with a barbell? You know, they were like, you want me to like lift a 40 kilo barbell with my hips on the floor? And they thought I was absolutely nuts. But of course, for the last 20 years, we've done glute raises with athletes and sprinters So we know it's effective as a, you know, total body conditioning tool and a glute builder. So I was doing this with clients 12 years ago, even in my exercise programming and and the group workouts we did, having them do things like kettlebells, squats, intervals, all all the other trainers in the gym thought I was crazy. They were just intrigued by what I was doing. The clients thought I was crazy in the beginning until they started getting results. And now look at us 10 years later, everyone does it this way. And the idea of just going to a gym and spending two hours on a treadmill now is foreign to so many people. So think, look at your, are you you too attached to the old way of doing things or just the current way of doing things with no regard for the future in your programming, in your hiring, in your team management, in your organic content, in your paid advertising in your accounting and financing maybe, in the systems and technology that you use? Are you too attached to an old technology? Even though there's new tech for for websites and apps and different automations and things you can use now that would save you money and save you time, but you're too stuck to the old ways? Think about that. So this is the key of this this podcast. One of the biggest things that make you plateau in business whether you're plateauing under six figures or you're plateauing at an eight-figure gym chain, I guarantee you it's because you become too complacent to what's working now and you're not dedicating 20% of your time and resources to trying out the new stuff, to just experimenting. with. And I understand why we don't want to do that. It's because, well, this is working and producing an ROI right now. Why would I put 20% of my time into something untested probably with no direct short-term ROI. And that's it because you need to put 20% of your time into things that will have an invisible ROI and it will keep your business afloat in the future when the current structures all collapse. So that's the lesson for today. Don't just imagine, the way I look at my business is that every day we are at ground zero. I look at my business honestly like a beginner every single day. I am humble. I don't take anything for granted. And I know that every single thing I've done to grow my business up until this morning is completely irrelevant. In business, you do not get rewarded. You do not get paid for what you did yesterday. You only keep getting paid for what you're doing today and what you're doing for the future. You get paid for what works now and what's going to work in the future and basically your success is is only is earned every single day in business. Look at your business like it's ground zero every day. And every single day and month say look, if I was building from scratch today, what could we do differently? What could we do better? What trends am I missing? Where is the future of my industry gonna go? Where is tech going? Where is where is social socioeconomic Economics going? Are people going to look for a more a cheaper alternative? That was the change I made from one to one to groups, was socioeconomic circumstances. Uh, we're going into a similar recession now. I think we're already in recession, to be honest. So, what changes are going to come from that? Uh, you know, what technology advances are we not getting on top of? Could we be just testing out with 20% of our time? Um, look at all these things, right? And Imagine you're at ground zero every day. If you be humble enough to know that you're building your business anew every single day, you'll never plateau, you'll never get stuck behind, and you're going to significantly improve your chances that your business will survive in the long run. Let me know your thoughts on that, guys. Uh, Where have you fallen victim to this kind of thinking? And where have you plateaued in business? Where could you be looking at things differently? And where could you be dabbling in new things? Let me know your thoughts, your questions, and comments on that. I would love to start, start a discussion on this. And again, guys, if you've got any value out of this whatsoever, please, please, please um, share the podcast. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google or whatever wherever you can, because um, getting reviews and shares is really what helps my podcast get out there to more fit pros that need it. And allows me to keep this advertising free for you guys. So please like, share, review this uh, if possible. Let me know your thoughts. Let's start a discussion. And I'll catch up with you guys very soon. All the best.